Amen. You guys look great, by the way. With your masks on, with your masks off. It don't matter. You look awesome. It's good to see you all this morning. Hey, uh, we got a great uh, word for you this morning. We've got a great service planned. We're in this new series, On Purpose. Super excited about it, as JJ was talking about. We're, uh, we're really... We're really trying to motivate this church, our church, you, me, to funnel into a life that is not by accident, a life that's not just kind of going through the motions and, and figuring out things on the way, but something that is more, more pointed. Um, and that, that's really the heart behind this series is how do we point our lives to Christ and to the things that he's asking for us? And before I start this morning, I'd like to um, maybe do something a little bit different. Uh, I'd love to pray. Uh, we have a couple of people on our team. Um, most of you guys know uh, Kurt and Sonia. Sonia's our children's director. Uh, Kurt has pneumonia, and so he's uh, working through that as well as some other things. And we have uh, Jason and Rachel who are out today, and Jason had some surgery uh, just the other night. And so uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, would you partner with me in prayer? Uh, the devil doesn't fight fair, and uh, we say that a lot here, but I, I like to say this too. We have a way, way better weapon we just kind of don't bring it out very often. So let's, let's all let's lift our hands if we could real quick. God, we just thank you. Uh, we know that you are sovereign. We know that you're in control. We know that you are, you are a good God. You're a big God. And uh, Lord, this morning, we would just like to ask you uh, for some healing power uh, with these families, God, that uh, not only would you heal them, but that you would provide in this situation whatever they need, whatever their kids need, whatever their families need. Lord, would you, would you be in this circumstance with them and let them know that you are there? Would you give them peace that is way beyond what we can ever imagine or understand? Would you help them through this situation and God uh, bring them back to us because they do such incredible ministry for the people of this church, Lord. We thank you, we cannot thank you enough for their lives and what, uh, what, what you've done in them and through them through our kids and through uh, our people. Lord, we just thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As JJ said, I am not Pastor Keith. If you are new to this church, I am Pastor Nick. You can call me uh, uh, Saint Nick if you want. I mean, I figure we're close enough to Christmas to throw that joke out there. So um, He is actually in Tennessee right now. He is preaching to a partner church. So uh, it is a blessing that he is able to go do that. Um, he's constantly fundraising for the mission and the vision that we have at this church, and uh, he does a great job. We are so thankful for him. How many are thankful for your pastor? Yeah, he's a great guy, great family. So last week he talked about, Pastor Keith was talking about knowing God, and we're actually gonna do part two of that. Um, uh, kind of a gist of what he was going through last week is how Jesus has done everything necessary for the work that we can never do. And so the thought behind this is you can keep trying to do more or you can receive what's already been done for you. Amen? And that's the heart behind what we're coming from. This, this series, this, uh, this teaching as far as knowing God is there's not a whole lot that you and I actually have to do in this. It's just taking in what God has already done. And if you read scripture, if you read God's word, if you read the Bible, it's this unbelievable narrative of redemption um, where, where you get to see that you know, God, God does not necessarily expect us to fix ourselves. He has created a way and, and formed this master plan to heal and redeem all of humanity. The one thing we get to do is we get to accept that wonderful gift. So again, we could try to do more or we could just receive what's already been done. So good. 
I want to start today with a guy most of us are probably somewhat aware of. Um, we, we sing this song in church, have for a long time, you know, Father Abraham and many sons. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, that's my jam. The other ones are like, what are you talking about? Uh, so the guy we're actually talking about today, his name is originally Abram. And so we're going to kind of go back and forth between his names before God changes it, after God changes it. He's Abram, he's Abraham. Just know we're talking about the same dude in just a different period of time. So please get ready. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. And I just want to set the stage here a little bit with who this guy is. This is a guy that God single-handedly pulls out of his context. Abram's got a life. He's got things going on. And God basically calls him out of that life into something different. You see, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna, we're gonna learn God's will for our life because I think that is the one thing that is so important. Knowing what God's done is awesome, yes, but also knowing what God's plan is for us is just as important. What is his will for our life? What is his will for mankind? What does that look like? When we understand these things, we actually get to know him and know his character and know what he stands for, amen? Let's go ahead and read this. Genesis chapter 15, verse one. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram, in a vision, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, look up, look at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? In chapter 12 of Genesis, we're gonna read this here in a minute, God actually says, hey, leave this place. Take everything you own. Take the people that are your family. I want you to go. I want you to go on a journey with me. I'm gonna take you to a land you've never seen before. And so this is kind of a moment right after that where we're seeing God actually identify something. So this isn't the first time Abram's actually heard this message. This is actually second or third. And so we, we see God actually talking to him again, reminding him. And isn't that what God does is he, he kind of lays out a plan for our life and then he doesn't just go silent. He's, he's, he's constantly reminding us of that plan. He's constantly bringing that to our forefront of our mind because he doesn't want us to feel like we've, he, we've been abandoned, that he's left our side. He's, he's gone to some other room in the, in the house of this, this space and planet. He's always there. And I, I think it's fascinating how Abraham if you see, if you kind of break this part down, there's a lot going on here. You could teach on this for weeks. But what I love is Abraham believes a certain part. God takes him outside. He says, look up, count the stars if, you, if indeed you can. And I just see this moment as, as God and him just kind of interacting. And, and in Abram's head and in Abram's heart, he's like, one, two. I would have gone to sleep by 10 just personally because that's like counting sheep for me. But something in him was like, yeah, this is possible. This is, this is attainable. And that's what, what we see. God actually credits that belief. Just like when we believe in Jesus, we're accredited that righteousness. 
as believers, that, that's the only thing we need to actually be saved and to know Lord, and to the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so that moment is happening right here. So he believes this. And then we, we get into this next section where the eyes shift from up here to down here. And God says, this is the land I'm gonna give you. And I want you to take possession of it. And something's different here. It doesn't say that Abram was like, oh man, I totally see that as possible. Something shifts. And Abram, Abram says, how? How? And, and I love this story because isn't that just like you and me? Isn't that just so similar? We, we, maybe some of us had, had this big vision for our life, like I'm gonna be a doctor. God, God has, 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 has lined that out for me. I'm really good with my hands. I can use intricate tools. I'm not, I'm not shaky. Maybe that's the, the design and the opportunity for your life that God's given you. But then you, you look at all the things that are necessary. You start seeing pieces of that. You're like, how am I gonna pay for that college? That's eight years minimum of doing something radical. How am, I, how am I ever gonna go through that? And so this is a great walkthrough on how God really, really operates in our life. And I wanna take us through some things that I think are really, really gonna challenge us but are also gonna help us because I think there's a lot of people right now today that are asking, how? God, how? Is that you this morning? Is that you here? How is this gonna happen? Where we're at in our economy, where we're at in our world, how, Lord, how will we ever? It's a good question. I don't think it's a wrong question. I think it happens a lot more than we realize. Knowing God and knowing his plan for our future, I think is something that maybe we just don't talk about enough. I think it's a big deal. What's coming next? What's this next week look like? What's my year look like? What's the next month look like? Heck, God, what do the next five to 10 years look like? What, what am I gonna be? Who, am I, who are you creating me to be? What is this gonna look like? I love Jeremiah 29, 11. I want you to know something about this passage. This was not written, we, we take this out of context so many times. This passage was not written in the moment of awesome. This passage was actually wrote, written in the moment of, of despair, slavery, like, like horribleness things that we would say as, as humans is just detestable. And here's what the Lord says. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. You see, our God has a plan for our future. And I think he has a plan for individuals and their future. I don't think this is just a general, he has both. It is a general thing for us as people, but it is also a personal thing. I have a personal relationship with my God, and I believe you can too. Sometimes we think thoughts like this, I know that you know my plans, but is there any way you could tell me how we're gonna get there? Is there any way you could give me all the breadcrumbs? And what I've noticed through scripture is, God doesn't do that a whole lot, not because he doesn't know, it's because there's a journey at place. There's relationship being built with him through that. And sometimes that journey doesn't look like the mountaintop experience. Sometimes that journey is through the valley to come up to the mountaintop so that we actually really believe and expect and, and trust that this is the best. Sometimes you, the old saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of thing. And I think that is a very human perspective. I think all humans war with that. We wanna write this verse and say, for I will let you know the plans and how I'm gonna accomplish them in your future. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be sweet? 
I think we go through this God cycle where we say, God, I really believe, fill in the blank. We say, God, I really believe you want me to go to college. And then some time passes and we're like, was that me? Am I the one thinking that? Or God, did you really say you want me to do this? Maybe you're in this season where you're like, I really believe you, God, you want me to marry him. He's awesome. She's awesome. And then you start thinking through it and you, you ask the question, but God, is this what you want for my life? Is this, is this the person that you're asking me to stand beside for the rest of my days here on the planet? I think we may need to sell our home or move. And we ask God, am I just, am I just stir crazy? Am I just, am I just complacent with life right now? Or are you, at, are you doing something in me through this mundane season? through the season of middle. What's your plan, Lord? We gotta know God and we gotta know his will for our life. And here's a breakdown for God's will. There's, there's three major categories. God's providential and some, some claim to be the perfect will. Providential and perfect will. You can interchange this however you want. God's providential, perfect will. His moral will, what his character is, who he is and what he designates for all of humanity to say, be like me. And then he's got his personal plan, his personal will for us. So let's break this down. Let's talk about the providential will of God. This is the mind of God. What he is doing in the world, kind of behind the scenes. Like nobody's really tapping into that, giving, giving a nudge on it and saying, yeah, go ahead and do that. What he's up to, the things that will happen. We didn't get a vote on this stuff, people. We didn't get a say in this. It's just happening. It reminds me of creation. Like they didn't have a meeting to have a meeting, to have a meeting, to have a meeting, to have a meeting, and then there was a filibuster, and then there was another meeting, and there was another meeting. God just said, man, I love, and I wanna create, and so he did. This is part of his providence, part of his perfection. It has nothing to do with you or I, what we do, what we think, what we say, what our obedience level is. This is just what God's doing through the earth, which by the way, one of those things is he is keeping our breath going at every moment of every day. If you read Colossians, you will see that what an honor it is to be here. What an honor it is to be standing and breathing out God's word in front of you this morning, knowing that. I'm gonna read some scripture. It's not gonna be on your screen, so just listen, maybe take notes. I think of things like Galatians 4, verse four, where Paul says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we may receive adoption and sonship. Psalms 22, verse 16 actually talks about this. It talks way before Jesus went to the cross. It says that all these things were going to happen. This is part of his providential plan, his will. We didn't get a choice in this. We didn't get a choice in if God would or would not redeem mankind. He did it because he loves us. He did it out of his providential will. We see God execute that perfectly, by the way. Revelation 19, 11 talks about Jesus coming back later on. Maybe that's soon, maybe that's you know, years away, I don't know. But I do know it's gonna happen because it's part of his perfect will, it's part of his providence. Revelation 20, 11 says, I, then I saw this great white throne and him who was seated on it. There have been so many people on this planet throughout all the cosmos of history that have said, I just don't wanna be judged. Well, guess what, that's part of the plan. Judgment is going to happen. And it, all it comes down to is this, do you know God? Do you know him? 
That's part of this game plan. That's part of what's actually gonna take place. And you gotta know that going into this. Let's jump back into Abram's story. We're gonna go back a little bit. Let's jump into Genesis 12, verse one. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Let, let me kind of give a history, a background of this. At this time in humanity, things did not happen like this, like ever. This was a radical, radical move for somebody to completely uproot their life, uproot their system, and go do something else, basically pioneer. This has really never happened before, actually. The, the way things worked back then is, is like, if you've ever seen The Lion King, it was like the circle of life. Like, you start out, you come back, and just, bam, do it all over again, and then just, bam, do it all over again. It was, it was like, like Simba and his pride. It was just, it was what things are. It's how they happen. Nothing, nothing new necessarily takes place. Nothing, nothing creative is actually going on here. It was happening for years. And all of a sudden, God does something wild. He says, hey, I need you to go this way. And I wanna walk with you through that journey. I wanna talk with you through that journey. I wanna go through some things with you. I'm gonna take you to this place because there's gonna be a massive blessing that comes through your lineage Again, providential plan. We know that that plan, that lineage, is Jesus to redeem the planet, to redeem all humanity from sin to those who would believe. Let's jump to this other side of God's will. So think about it as that lane. God's providential will is one highway, it's one lane. Now let's go over here where God's, God's moral will, his character, that's another lane, another highway. This is the heart of God. This is how God wants us to live our daily lives these are behavioral, these are action involving. And here are a few things that this word shows us. These are just a few, there are many, because his heart is very big, his heart is grand for us. Proverbs 12, 22, just listen and think about this. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Okay, I'm getting to know his heart a little bit. He doesn't like liars, he doesn't like that lying is a thing. He wants his people to be trustworthy and honoring. Good to know. Proverbs 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays a confidence. So to avoid anyone who talks too much. God doesn't like chatty Cathy's who are talking negatively about his people or other people. He wants us to have integrity. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. So when we start interpreting and understanding the moral plan of God, we see some things, we, we ask some questions. Should I be patient? Should I be humble? Should I be generous? When we, read, when we read his word, we understand those things to be yes, because this is who he is, and he wants us to be like him. So God's moral plan, God's moral will. God, I love how God, if we, if we think about Genesis 15, where, where Abram asked that question, he said, how? God takes this question, Abraham asks how? How can I know it will take place? How can I know I will have possession of this land? How is it gonna happen? And from that point, 
If you read the scriptures from Genesis 15 all the way to when, when Isaac is about to be given up to the Lord, is a nice way of saying it, he actually shows, God is showing Abram his morality. He is showing him his goodness. He is showing him his character through each chapter. I just wanna take you through this. The very first thing we see is Hagar and Ishmael. You know, we just read this in verse, uh, chapter 15, verse one, that, that God says, I'm going to give you your own flesh and blood. And then right after this, chapter 16, Abram takes it on himself and he goes and basically has his own child with a different spouse than, than his wife, Sarai. And so he takes things into his own hands. And what we see out of this is there's, there's some really big hatred going on between Sarai and, and Hagar and they leave and then God shows up and he says, I'm El Roy. I am the God who sees you. And if you think that Abraham doesn't know this, he would because Hagar comes back to this place and I'm sure she shared this story with him. So immediately, God is, God is exposing Abram and his family to his character, to his goodness, to his morality. He's not the God that's distant. He's not the God that's far away. He's the God that sees. He's the God that's there in the midst of every problem, in the midst of every heartache, in the midst of every situation. He is known and he's there. I'm the God who sees. Right after that, we see him saying, I am God Almighty, I'm El Shaddai. Be faithful and blameless as I am. I am the great God and I, I am blameless. I am faithful and I want you to be blameless and faithful. And so now he's, he's, he's moving his morality, this will that he has into humanity. He's saying, it's not just me that needs to be this way. I want you to be this way. I want you to start taking some of the character that I am. I want you to be more like me. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound kind of like what Jesus asks of us? Something kind of around that ballpark? He then introduced covenants with Abram. Basically what he's saying is, I am faithful and I am trustworthy that when I say I'm gonna do something, I will do it. I will always hold up my end of the bargain. That's his promise to us. And how, how true is that in salvation? How true is that, that that is not something he's going to ever get rid of in your life. That is a guarantee. There's a deposit that happens in that moment and you are guaranteed in salvation. Abram then says, again, Ishmael is his only son at this point. And so he's like, well, God, there's gonna be blessing through everything that I do. Would you please bless him? And I love what God does. He doesn't say, no, that's not the kid that I asked you to have. I'm not blessing him. No, he actually blesses him. He says, I'm gonna give you blessing, bountiful blessing. So he's showing, he's showing Abraham another thing in his morality, that he is a God of generosity. He is a God of, of blessing. He wants to be generous. He wants to give. He wants to bless. We then see Abram go to, to this place this kind of point and he's talking with God about this place that God's like, this place is evil, it's horrible, I'm gonna wipe it out. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sodom and Gomorrah or Las Vegas. I, I can't figure out which one it is. No, I'm kidding. Sodom and Gomorrah, it's a small joke. Don't, don't get crazy about it. Okay, small joke. So Sodom and Gomorrah, God's looking at this place like, ah, it's, it's just, it's done, it's evil. And Abraham, again, he sees God's plan, he sees his morality, his moral will in this discussion because he says, God, if there's 50 people, will you save them? God's like, sure. Abram's like, sweet, I got 50, I'm gonna go for 40. God, if there's 40 people, 
Will you save them? Will you save the righteous on behalf of the unrighteous? And he works this all the way down to 10 people. What God's saying is I am a just, I am a fair God because I'm good. He's explaining his moral will through a conversation. I love this. He's, he's telling Abram, look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna tackle the righteous because of the unrighteous sake. I'm not gonna do that. What a good God. Abimelech, right after this, we see Abram dealing with this king, this king who takes Abram's wife, Sarai, and is about to, is about to make him make her his queen, make, him, make her his, his bride. And what we see is God actually puts a dream inside Abimelech and they have this conversation like, you're not gonna touch her. In fact, the only reason why I haven't killed you is because you did this completely ignorantly. You had no idea what you were doing. And what this conveys to Abram is, I can reach the highest of leaders in mankind. There's no ruler outside of my sight. There is no person in any political system that is above my rulership. I can get to them and I can do whatever I need to in that moment. Can I tell you, that brings me a heck a lot of comfort for where we're at today, okay? That brings me a heck a lot of comfort knowing that we're in this pretty big political craziness, amen? I don't care what side you're on, it's crazy. It's wild. But we have a God who is in the middle of all this. We have a God who can be right in front of whoever that leader is. He can give a dream to them like this tomorrow. In fact, I would, I would encourage us to pray for our leaders of our country, not to just be hateful, not to just be frustrated. Again, we tend to pull the prayer car out as though it's our last, last reaction, last resort, when reality is it's our best move. We should pull that out every time just because it's, it's our best move. And then we get to Isaac. God gives Abraham his son. He changes his name to Abraham. And uh, this is the beloved, the, the, the kid that Abraham's, Abraham's always wanted. And uh, God, God gives him. This is like, they're like almost 100 years old. They're crazy old. Like, can you imagine having a kid at 100? I can't imagine having a kid at 50. But God did it because he's a God of miracles and he, he does things outside of how we think he's gonna do it, which makes it miraculous, it makes it awesome, it makes it powerful, it makes it radical, it makes it creative, it makes it fun. I love, I love our God, I love who we serve. God says in this story of Isaac, he says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. See, in his providential plan is a providing nature. And that's, that's the whole concept behind this. You see, I find it so strange when I read this, this text that Abraham hears God say, hey, take your one and only son and go kill him for me. And Abraham's like, okay, <laughs> cool. It's just a normal Tuesday, you know? <laughs> like, what? I'd be having some questions there, Lord. Like, uh, what? Uh, hang on, you gave me this. Like, why, why is this? So the background on this is, this is a very pagan idea, okay? This is what pagan gods do, is they say, hey, in order to please me as a pagan god, I want you to kill something that's really precious to you, your kids, your, your livestock, whatever it is. Keith was actually just uh, teaching on this last week. That didn't happen at that time. It actually happened way, 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 way before all that. It's been happening, it still happens today. And so what God does is he takes Abraham through this journey, again, he says, again, he's showing Abraham who he is. 
So he takes, Abraham takes him up on this mountain. Isaac's actually asked, he's like, hey, we got everything we need, but where's the lamb? And you know, you're the lamb, dude. Uh, <laughs> Abraham says this awesome statement. He says, he says, the Lord will provide. He's already planning on provision. He's already getting to know God's moral plan, his, his will for his life. So they get to this top of the mountain and <laughs> Abraham straps Isaac down, gets him ready, prepped. By this time, Isaac's like, okay, it's me. I got it, thank you. And so Abraham goes to strike him, goes to take the final blow, and an angel appears and says, don't, don't even harm him, don't touch him. And so what we see is Abraham, this is what God's saying, I'm not like every other God that people have made up. I'm not like every other thing that, that has, has been on this planet. I'm very different, I'm good, and I don't want you to provide I wanna be the provider for the thing that you could never do on your own. You don't need to please me, you don't need to appease me to, to make me happy. That's not the relationship I want. Do 10 good things right, and I'm gonna give you the thumbs up for the day is the concept. That's not how God is. He's way better than that. He's way better than that. Let's talk about his personal will for you, for me. This is my favorite. I call it God's personal plan pizza. Pretty, pretty, yeah, that's pretty smart, I know. You can say it. God's personal plan pizza. He's been cooking it for years. It's gonna be tasty, I just know it. Listen, the only way we discover God's personal plan for us is when we have a good understanding of his providential will and his moral will. These are two highways that are part of our system, and when we come to the middle of that, we say, God, I'm getting to know your providential will and I'm getting to know your moral will. I'm getting to know your character. And between the two, I can have way better understanding of what you desire for my life. The times that we go outside of one of those categories is when things just go off the rails. We say things like, how can a good God do this? Let me, let me help us on that level. That is a really bad question because you're only accounting for one side. You're accounting for bad. Let me help us account for good. I just talked about the breath that we have. That's not, that's not guaranteed, it's actually borrowed. That's a good thing, okay? You probably have water at your house. You probably have a car. You probably have electricity. Just by those standards already, you are the 8% in the world. You are the elite of this globe. So if you start accounting for the bad, you also have to account for the good. And both sides, you can't actually account for it. It's a trust thing. We have to say, I either trust you that you are good, and I understand the question because it's hard to see things in the world and say, well, God, what are you up to? And that's where we lean into him on this providential and moral side. God, you are at work, you have a plan, you are sovereign. God, you are good, you are doing something to create something new in me, you are creating something to make me live better. I gotta trust both of these. And when I do, I come to this middle ground where I say, okay, what do you want me to do? What's your design for me? And I love this part. Matthew 28, 19 says this. If you're asking the question, what is his will? I'm gonna give you the general will for all people in a personal fashion. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Look, if you came in here wondering, God, what is my role in this thing called Christianity? I just hit it for you. This is by design 
every person who calls on the name of Jesus and says, I believe in you, this is our one thing to get right. This is our one thing that he is saying, this is what I'm asking of you. How that looks is, is really the question, right? That, that, that's not something we don't believe in. That's something like we're like, okay, I'm looking up at the stars. Yes, I get it, I'm with you. I, I, I know that can happen. But on the back end, we're saying, okay, but how? Do you want me to be a doctor? Do you want me to be a construction worker? Do you want me, do you want me to be a pastor? Do you want me to be X, Y, and Z? The list is forever. That's the how. Let me help us with this framework on what it looks like to live outside of these plans so that we can know how to live inside these plans. Living outside God's providential plan looks like this. Jesus has redeemed sin for mankind. It's been the plan from the beginning. And the way we, we go outside that is we say, I'm not gonna accept that. I'm gonna choose something else. I'm gonna choose another God. I'm gonna choose Let's use my favorite one. Let's use football. Football's a pretty fun God. I wanna choose that instead of saying, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. There's a lot of other things that go into that, but that's number one. If you can't get past number one, you're already outside God's providential plan. Maybe we live outside his moral plan, which is we just refuse to live changed. The Bible says, that you are a new creation when you come into that providential plan, when you say yes to Jesus, when you say, I believe, you are, you are flipped inside out. There's something that happens spiritually in you. And there's a war going on between your flesh and your spirit. And when we don't say, God, I'm gonna choose you, we just stay the same. We don't become more like Jesus, which is what Christian, that word actually means. It says it's little, little Christ's. We live outside that moral plan. I wanna to read to you what, what God says to Abraham right after, right after he stops Isaac. Genesis 22, verse 16 says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Because you obeyed me. Abram, turning to Abraham, has learned God's providence and God's moral plan. They're good for his life. And God recaps everything he says in chapter 15 and he says, I'm gonna do all this. By the way, it's because you've obeyed. What did Jesus say as his last words before he left? He said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Ironic that that is the great commandment here, ironic. As we wrap up here today, I wanna, I wanna jump forward a little bit in the timeline of Israel because when we look at how we interact with God, the best blueprint is always the children of Israel. We can't ever look at them and say, man, they're so stupid because the truth is we do the same things day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. The children of Israel are enslaved. Some of you know this, the story of Moses. They're enslaved to the Egyptians, which by the way, in chapter 15, God actually tells Abraham, it's part of his providential plan. Again, 
providential plan doesn't mean it's all gonna be mountaintop experience. Sometimes we gotta go through those valleys to understand how awesome the mountaintop really is. So they're captive, they're slaves, they're working very hard. There's a lot of death going on. Egypt isn't being fair. They're seeing a lot of other gods, seeing a lot of other opportunities. And I love what God does. He enacts his providential plan yet again. He tells Moses to go tell the leaders, I'm gonna take you out of here. I'm the Lord. I'm rescuing you. I'm gonna deal with this problem for you. I've heard your cry. I'm gonna take care of it. Some of you know the story. There's plagues. There's some wild things going on. There's a lot going on there that I'd love to get into right now, but we're trying to close up service, okay? Give me a break. God actually takes them in power, in miracle, in wonder, things that have really never been seen before. He delivers them, and the first thing they say, the first, the first thing they say is, why did you take us out of Egypt? They see, they see the Egyptians coming after them after there's this whirlwind of fire, this amazing, amazing moment happening. And they don't look at that. They look at these Egyptians and they, they say, why did you take us out of here? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? We'd rather die enslaved to Egypt than live free because we're not trusting in your plan, God. Let's fast forward a little bit. God actually pulls them out. He starts providing crazy things. He prepares fire by night. He, these opportunities for them to see, these opportunities for them to eat manna from heaven, these amazing things. And then we get to where God institutes his moral plan for, for humanity. He brings in the Ten Commandments. I guarantee you, most of you have heard that. And the first commandment, he says, God spoke all these words saying, Exodus 20, verse one, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And the first thing we see in that same narrative is the children of Israel creating another God. They, they make this, this golden calf. They go outside the moral plan. They go outside the moral will. Look, the reason why this generation did not tap into God's personal plan, pizza, for their life, the reason is because they kept going outside of both lanes. They kept going outside of both lanes, his providence and his morality. They kept jumping in and out, in and out, in and out, instead of just saying, God, I see this. I see this through your word. I see this through your word. I'm gonna trust you in this. I'm gonna believe in you. Now tell me what you want, because the truth is their personal plan was to go and take over this land. God had given them milk and honey, this, this wonder and awe, this wonderful, amazing, nice thing. And they never got there. It was the next generation that ended up seeing that. I just wanna ask a couple questions to us this morning as we, as we get ready to go into worship. Can we be a people that say, God, you are a perfect God and we will trust in your sovereign plan. We know that you are doing things behind the scenes from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. We know that that's going on and we're gonna trust in that. Can we be a people that jump into that lane? Can we be a people that say, God, you have shown me over and over your morality. You've shown me that you're good. You've shown me that you are trustworthy. You've shown me that you're faithful. I can tell you in my life alone, God has been faithful every single time. Every time I go through this system of, God, is this your, is this your moral plan? Is this your providential plan? What's my plan? What's the plan you have for my life? How is it gonna work? 
He has been faithful through and through. Even in the valley moments, even in the toughest times of my, of my life, and there have been tough times. Don't think just because I'm standing up here that I'm a perfect dude, that I have a perfect history. My history is crazy, just like ours, just like yours. But what's awesome is God was there. He was in it through all of it, through the mess, through the destruction, through the things that I didn't get right. He was faithful through all of it. I could trust on him in that. I could lean on him in that. And today I could stand before you and say, I still don't know the how. I do not know how I'm getting to that personal plan. I do not know what that looks like in its entirety. God hasn't laid out all the pieces for me, but I do know this. I know he's faithful. I know he's true. And he's gonna, he's gonna come through every single time. He's good. This morning, maybe you haven't ever leaned into that providential side of God. Maybe you haven't said, I believe in Jesus. I wanna just give you the opportunity. Look, it's not just here. You can walk away from this moment. You can get in your car and go home and you can believe in him then. It doesn't matter when, but just know your life is, is borrowed at this point. And I don't know when the last breath will be, but you do have an opportunity here in a really safe space. If we could all bow our heads. I just want us to do this as a, as a group. This isn't gonna be an isolation thing where we call you out and you wanna stand up here next to me and parade you around like a whatever. Look, we, we just wanna give an opportunity, a moment for you to say yes to Jesus. So if that's you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer, simply like this, it goes like this. You can, you can say something along the lines or repeat something else, whatever you wanna do, but something along the lines that says, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son and I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things wrong and I'm so grateful that you made a way for me to be right before you because the truth is I could never do that on my own. And I wanna receive that gift right now. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that was you this now, if you just prayed that, would you just look up at me real quick? Would you just give me kind of a, a hand nod, a toss up with the hand? Thank you, yeah, awesome, great. You can see me after service. I'd like to just talk with you about that. That'd be great. Let's, uh, let's give God praise right now because people are coming to know Jesus. Yes, that's awesome. As we go through worship, I'd like you to be thinking about where you're at in this whole scheme. Like, God, I know you have a plan. What is the plan? How does it work in my life? Maybe some of that's in the moral category for you. Maybe you need to really lean into knowing God is truly who he says he is. Maybe you need to take some time and actually study and see who he is. And I tell you right now, it's in his word. His word shows over and over and over and over who he is and his character. And you can lean on it day in and day out. Maybe you're here and you're just like, I've just been going through the motions and I've just had a crossroads. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. I'm gonna ask you, to find where you're at in this providential, this moral will of God to understand his perfect will.